Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I am very pleased to introduce you today to Ms. Hannah Coffey. Hannah's speaking and consulting programs focus on implementation of systems and strategies with proven benefits for our patients' whole body health, interdisciplinary synergy within the medical and dental communities, and practice growth with economy of scale and sustainability. Hannah is a national speaker with over a decade of experience on the dental speaking circuit. She's a frequent guest expert on industry podcasts and has been featured in publications. She's a member of the American Academy for Oral Systemic Health, National Network of Healthcare Hygienists, American Dental Hygiene Association, Dental Speakers Bureau, and the Dental Speaker Institute. While still in high school, Hannah began her career in dentistry. She worked as an expanded function certified dental assistant for over 15 years. During this time, she had the opportunity to work with all dental specialties, which increased both her knowledge and desire to learn more. With an ever-growing passion for healthcare, Hannah earned her RDH. After practicing clinical dental hygiene for over two decades, she expanded into administrative executive roles in teaching. The role of clinical dental hygiene instructor ignited her passion for inspiring, influencing, and sharing her knowledge with future healthcare professionals. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Ms. Hannah Coffey. I am so excited to have you, Hannah. You know, the last couple of times we've seen each other on our individual videos, being at the same location, learning the same content, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk to her. So without any further ado, I'd love for you to share with the audience, you know, how you get into dentistry, what it is that you're doing today, and then we'll go into some questions later on. Thank you so much, MJ. And it's truly an honor to be here. I love the journey that although we went through a pandemic, so many of us had an opportunity, a silver lining, if you will, to all of our virtual experiences and really had a great opportunity to meet some people. Um, you know, my journey began, there's so many of us out there that we can say it's in the blood, right? So my father and grandfather were both dentists. And so it was in the blood. It's what you grew up with. But I have a brother who didn't become a dentist, right? He became a chef. But all the girls seemed to follow into the dental field. Mine became, it was very organic. It was a, a, an early love of teaching and watching my father. And this is, you know, it's very, very interesting, you know, when dad's a dentist, but then the older I got, the more I saw. And I, I had a childhood friend who had an accident. She broke eight and nine while we were playing. I was playing with her and small town, you know, outside of Boston. So dad's office was close by. We ran over to the office, ran in the back door, screaming for dad. And, you know, he says, oh my gosh, that's one of my kids and came out. And what I thought was just a tragic end of smile, end of life experience that I felt responsible for. And by the end of the day, you know, her teeth were restored. Her smile was back. It was so enlightening to say, that's what you do. That's what going to the dentist can, can restore. Not just a little girl's spirit being my own, 
a little girl smile being my dear friends, but it just lit something at a very early age. How old were you? I, I couldn't have been more than 10. You know, we were young, we were young. And from that moment on, it was, it was every school project. It was every science fair. It was every oral presentation. It was, you know, eighth grade science. Shout out to Mr. Molyneux, right? But I had to do an oral presentation. So I had the posters, I had the instruments, I knew what every instrument did. I had alginate, I had trays, we took impressions. But the thing about it was the comfort zone. It was just, it was like a fish to water. I thought this is just really cool. <laughs> and it, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, you know, oral presentation. I'm like, oh, this is dentistry. And it, it was just, it was such a natural fit for me. You know, and I kept going. I worked at my dad's practice, like so many of us did. And he got to the point, he said, you know, let's see if dentistry really is your fit. And I don't want you to work for me anymore. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you mean I got to go work for somebody else? Somebody else? <laughs> but it was a great experience. And of course, you know, we're, dentistry is a small community, no matter how big the community gets, right? But it was an amazing experience to go work for colleagues that were endodontists or oral surgeons, orthodontists, and really get that feel for it going, oh, you know what, this really is it, before I even had a formal education. So, so that was really the start. And then I, I had the pleasure of being, you know, Boston's such a great city. And, you know, I, I did my training at Mount Ida and we did all of our clinicals in at Tufts. And it was great to work with the students. It was helping the students to learn how to do forehanded dentistry, right? Back in the day, which was, which was always great because I'd hand them an instrument and be like, and they'd look at me and I said, that's what you want to use now. And they're like, right. And I had so much experience with my dad, you know, and we're still carving amalgams and doing things like that. So, you know, I really was able to take that certified dental assisting to the oomph degree. I did it for 15 years in the whole Boston metropolitan area and did everything and just loved it. And then I hit that point of, you know what? I need a break. Yeah. I, I just needed a break. Dental burnout, whatever you want to call it. You know, we started off, I way back, they were in Sears and it was the very early days of the DSO, dedicated dental services. Yeah. They Sears and Roebuck, um, and we had two master offices, one in Boston and one in Brookline. And that was my first exposure to multi-practice, multi-professional specialties within the group, big, you know, 15, 20 op clinics. And again, loved it. When I think back, you know, yes, needed that time out. And I did. So I, <laughs> I did the time out. I gave it all up. I moved up to New Hampshire and became a bartender and started skiing every day. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yes. Was that a midlife crisis or you were too young for that? Very too young for the midlife crisis, but it was a great break. And then, you know, you can only, not you can only have so much fun, but you get to a point and it's like, okay, what are you really going to do for the rest of your life? You know? And it's like, okay, I think it's time to go back to school. And I went back for my hygiene degree. And where'd you go? And I went to Cape Cod, Cape Cod Community College. Yep, loved it down there. 
such a great community. And, and now uh, Mary Andrea is down there. And, you know, I've seen so many come and go and have great friends and friends that I graduated with that teach there. And as I say, no matter how big the community gets, it's still a very small community. It is. It is. It's amazing. And that was just a fantastic opportunity to be there. And also I was able to teach there for a year. Um, so, and that was a great experience. So I was still able to bring in my love of dentistry, my passion for teaching. And again, I, I had that early bug with the DSOs and I got in with the DSOs in my hygiene career, which really gave me an opportunity. And we can go back and forth on pros and cons. We really can. And I understand all that. But what it did for me was gave me 14 years of going from a clinical hygienist to excelling at clinical hygiene to becoming a coach to help others excel at clinical hygiene to coaching more to work with teams to dealing with the CEO saying, how can I help you do this more? I said, make it a full-time position for me and then give me a team. And this was really the ground floor of building a management system underneath the hygiene department. Wow, that's awesome. It went from one day a week coaching to a full-time, I ended up being a divisional director of hygiene and had over 150 offices, traveled all over the country every single week, but I was able to work with my team. I had hygiene managers under me that would work within um, their territories and it was just great to have a succinct message of proven success with a focus on patient care that worked. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. What a great story. Now, right now you're doing more of integrated medicine, correct? I, I am. I'm, I'm really doing the, the integrated um, healthcare because I've always believed, and I can tell you stories about that too, but the body is connected and there's so much that we miss. You, you think? I know I talk a lot about my dad, but he used to wear a button that said, I am a real doctor. Yeah. You know, and, and it's really time for us to break through and continue to scream from the mountaintops that the oral systemics are real and we can save lives by implementing them. Well, let's, let's go down this path for a little while because, you know, obviously you know that I'm really passionate about that and I, I have been talking about it nonstop, uh, much to the dismay of some people, I'm sure. But the one thing that COVID has had as a silver lining is the fact that two things of critical importance have happened. Number one, we have now been established as essential healthcare workers. No, no more can medicine ever say that we're not part of the essential team. Unfortunately, what's not being educated yet is the fact that people in the general population are patients and non-patients need to understand that even though medicine thinks we're over here and not part of medicine, we actually are a part of medicine. And we actually do see you on a more regular basis than any primary care physician does. And that we can support the primary care physicians in their journey to patient overall health. If you just would open your mind a little bit, you know, this, this silo that has occurred, and I don't know if you know the story or not, 
was 250 plus years ago when a dean of a medical school determined, single-handedly determined. I would, I'm going to quote you. I'm going to quote you from this book. I knew I loved you. Okay, go ahead. Oh my gosh, because it's mechanical. No, it's not. It's still part of the body. Go ahead. What does it say? This is, all right. So this book, this is the American System of Dentistry, which was published in 1886. Wow. Now, we have a very early, early dentist who was also an MD, Dr. G.V. Black. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? So he's in this book. I just want, and I quote this all the time. And I have to be very careful. My, I have a love for old books and it's falling apart. But this, it, it goes no further than health is a standard condition of the body in which all of its functions are regularly and normally performed. Any deviation from this is disease. Period, end of conversation. It's like, mic drop, I'm done now, right? And, and then I wanna back that up, you know, to, to what about that Hippocratic Oath? What about the oath that we took? It's trying to get into, you know, when, when you talk about why are you going into dentistry? What, what is dentistry to you? And these things can take a lot of time to really unpack um, because it can get very deep. But when I coach with teams, I ask them, you know, from the beginning and particularly the doctors, right? What's your vision? And what's the balance between your personal vision and your professional vision? Mm -hmm. Because if we don't know how you're showing up, why you're doing this. We know what you do. We know how you do it. You know, not to get all Simon Sinek on you, but why do you do it? Exactly. It always starts with why. There's a book called that. I, I can't remember who wrote it, but there's a book that's, it always starts with why. So if, so if you get to that point working with a team and does your team know what your vision is? Do, do you know what your team's vision is? You know, we've got to we've got to start, you know, master the basics. Right. But for me, we've got to get to that before we can even go any further. You know, I, I've and I'm not trying to I won't even say it. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I will. All right. I will. Oh, go ahead. What? But if I'm working with a hygienist and I'll say, you know, why did you go into hygiene? Why did you go into dentistry? And she tells me because for an associate degree, I can make a whole bunch of money. Wrong reason. I say, you know what? We're not going to work well together. And because I come from someplace so different. You know, when I, when I coach teams, I know the end game is the business. I get that. I, I, you know, but I can tell you that you can get to that financial success and solvency without it being your focus. That's right. That's right. I stake it all on that. It's, because that'll come. It will. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that one of the, my quotes or sayings that I say to the students all the time is, you know, the fingers you have in that mouth that you're working on belong to a human being. It is not about you checking off one more procedure that you have just finished. Your responsibility is to that human being that is laying in your chair. They deserve your best and you got to give them your best. Regardless of what that production is going to be for that 60 minute time period. 
if it ends up being this, I'm okay with that. Me too. Now, if I have a doctor out there going, well, I'm not okay with that, then I'll say, you know what, then we're not going to work well together. Because I can, I can put it into, if you look at what a toddler ate in a day, you'd probably be horrified, right? But if you look at what a toddler ate during the month, the toddler is perfectly healthy, thriving and growing. Now, I mean, no disrespect to those that aren't, but I think you can see the analogy. Are we in a position where we're truly reviewing that medical history and then doing our entire assessment and then putting on the brakes going, wait a minute, wait just a minute. We've got things, we've got things going on here. You've got a cardiac condition, a host of medications and periodontal disease or any disease of the mouth, any disease, don't get me going, right? That we need to stop and think about what we're going to do next. And what I really advocate for in my five to thrive is one of the things that we do next is begin a communication with their primary care physician or their oncologist or their endocrinologist or whoever it is we need to be talking to, to open up that dialogue to co-treat for whole body health. Now I'm gonna take a step back and take a breath because that to me, it's it, it's like poking the bear. So I just wanna be, before I start yelling at everybody out there on your podcast, but that's where my, that passion comes from. It's not, I'm not gonna slam out that prophylaxis because I've got to get some production on the books. I'm going to stop and talk to my patient and create a sense of urgency around what truly needs to happen and begin that network. And this will ultimately, ultimately grow my practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's not foreign. It's the, and we'll meet resistance all along the way. We always have, right? And we've got to just keep pushing through. We've got to keep shattering glass ceilings. Well, it's not even it's not even the male female thing. It's it's the lack of education around what we are seeing in the mouth and how it relates to the body. You know, the Scottsdale report that Casey Hine worked on was outstanding because finally an independent group of physicians and dentists could look at the information and say, oh my God, it is correlated. Look at this and look at this and look at this. Thank goodness, finally. You know, there's a reason why we should be doing salivary testing. There's a reason why we should have a phlebotomist in our office trying to support our patients that are not in the best of health. Now, granted, there are a lot of patients in our chair that we are the only profession that has really pretty much put ourselves out of business, right? Because we have been really behind fluoride in the water for maybe 50, 60 years because we saw that anybody with the right amount of fluoride, yeah, too much is not good, too little is not good, but with the right amount of fluoride in the water, those teeth stay healthy. They are resistant to decay. Decay is a disease. It shouldn't be acceptable that your mouth has decay in it. It is a disease, just like everything else. What's the precipitating factor? And the precipitating factor for 
you know, cuspal disease is very different from root caries, right? Oh, yes. Totally different bacteria, totally different system. So, you know, how we look at things from an overall health perspective is very different than our medical colleagues. And I too, truly believe, and I know we're aligned on this, I truly believe we have to start waking up and call, a call to action has to be that we've got to start educating our colleagues, our medical colleagues on how we can support them. But they need to see how we can support them. I do not believe that another mid-level provider is going to help us. We need a hygienist that is going to collaborate with us and help have a higher level of education that will support the movement into this kind of profession. Amen. And we've, and the, you know, the evidence is there, the research is there, you know, another hero of mine historic is Dr. Bradley Bale. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Bale Doneen. And, and when we talk about, you know, how they practice, how Bale and Doneen practice in their whole perceptorship program, these are cardiologists, right? And when I, I had a, a client way back, he said, you know, I did what you said. I sent my patient to the cardiologist. I said, good. Because the research is there. Level A research. So there's no reason that you shouldn't be following through with that. And the cardiologist said, what's your dentist doing sending you to me? Again, we're going to hit barriers. And we need to be able to give them a call, offer to have lunch. Can we get together? Does your community know what you're doing out there? Are you breaking through as a true physician of the mouth, as a true whole body health dentist. And the only way that we can do that is through the communication. And there's so many different things that I'll talk to teams about doing. Have an open house. You know, maybe once the, you know, six foot and all that stuff is over, but have it up, invite them in, send out a letter. Let's, let's get to know each other, meet and greet. You know, have some hors d'oeuvres, serve some wine, get, get to know who's in your community so that we can start to co-treat and break through these barriers that we keep running up against and get your team in line and be okay with we're stopping. We're not doing anything today. We need to get the letter going. We need to get the patient compliant that we communicate with their primary care or whichever medical colleague that we're going to be reaching out to and start this new approach because the future of healthcare depends on it. And the future of healthcare is now. I agree. I agree. I actually had a great conversation today with Dr. Vilas from teledentistry.com and what they're doing in mitigating ER visits in hospitals to date has saved over $8 million in healthcare costs. Something as simple as just communicating with a patient about a concern they have and keeping them out of the emergency room. How amazing is that? And it's not physicians doing that, it's dentists doing that. We can support them, we can help them, we can be vaccinators and, and support you during times like this. Heck, we all gave up our PPE so that you guys could stay safe. The first thing we did was here, take the PPE. Oh my gosh, you're in trouble. We're in trouble. Yeah. And not only that, but we understand infection control enough to realize, okay, this is serious. We need to stop right now. 
taking step back, support our medical colleagues because the emergency rooms are not going to ever stop. And we're going to help everyone in general. So yeah, the time has come. I, I, I certainly, you know, obviously we could sit here and talk about this for five hours, but your, your journey has been fascinating. First of all, let me step back and say, so the DSO piece was way ahead of its time. Yes. And so did you ever consider continuing on in the DSO space and growing with some of these startups? I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, right, right now, it's, it's continuing the message. You know, where's, where's the next piece of my journey? Where do I fit? You know, I love consulting. I, working, I love working with teams, be it 100 teams or five teams, right? When, when we initiate and implement you know, the five to thrive, which is, which is my program. It's amazing the changes that we can see. It's not overnight. Change isn't easy. You know, and I didn't get to where I am overnight, but I did trust the journey, you know, and I had to allow myself the time and space to not need to be perfect. Right. And so many of us in dentistry need to be perfect. And it was a dear mentor of mine that said, you know, that, that need for perfection can be the road to destruction. I was like, wow. She's like, just think about that for a little bit. And it really helped me redefine what I'm bringing out. And I know I get very serious at times. I, I think all my facial expressions change. You know, my, my family says, you know, when, when you go down to the beach and you grab your selfie stick and you go do your weather girl, you know, from there in Destin, Florida, you're hysterical. You're fun. You're not rehearsed. Why isn't she on the stage? And I'm like, she can't be on the stage. Dentistry, serious stuff. You know, and then I would take these courses and listen to other mentors. And they're like, you need to lighten up. You need to come mm -hmm. as the weather girl. The message is still heavy. But it, when, you, when you lighten that up so that you're approachable, people are more apt to listen to you. So, you know, sometimes yeah, I'll grab my books and I'm flashing books and I'm talking about oaths and don't get me going on fraud. Um, <laughs> because it is important, you know, and it is serious, yet it's finding that, finding that tribe, if you will. You know, I'll, I, and I've said this earlier, I'm not for everyone and everyone's not for me. And when I meet with a team, it's not always going to be the right fit. And there are so many people out here doing the good, doing the coaching and, and the consulting. I may not be the one for you. You know, I, I have systems, I have guidelines, I have me, right? And if we don't fit, that's okay. Let's find just somebody that does fit so you can continue that journey forward. You know, because again, really big community, really small community. Right, because especially now we look at this virtual world, right? Oh, don't get me going on Clubhouse. I was talking to a dentist the other night who was in Australia. I'm like, wow, this is crazy, you know? And, and so our, our world gets so much smaller, the more virtual we get. And it is a virtual world now. Yeah, it really is. You know, I know that, and I, I, I probably, you probably already know this already, but I actually feel bad for speakers that haven't been able to pivot yet 
because I don't think live events like they used to be are going to be happening as big as they, because they're expensive to run, right? And so why wouldn't you showcase in a smaller location, but worldwide? Open the doors to the world and allow the world in. So you have an amazing long-term journey in dentistry. So, and when I hear you talking, what I hear is an extremely confident woman who knows her stuff and isn't afraid to, to share it with, with anyone. Has it always been like that for you? Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, where, where did your confidence come from? Is it something, reflecting back as a little girl, did you always have confidence as a little girl or was that something that you developed over time? I definitely developed it over time. I always loved to teach. Even as a little, I would play school for hours. Um, so the, the teaching thing has always been there. But the confidence, I don't think, came until I really got into hygiene. And I shouldn't say that because my, my years as a certified dental assistant in Boston um, were extremely rewarding because I had it. I worked for um, a dentist years back. And he said to me, you know, not everybody has it in the hands. And he said, you've got it in the hands. And there's a, and I didn't know what he meant. And he said, you know what? It, not anyone can get a degree, but anyone can go into dentistry. We're back to the vision, right? Have you got it in the hands? Have you got it in the heart? Right? Because it takes more than the brain. Oh, I'm just, I'm getting profound on myself because this is really organic for me. But that's where it needs to come from, right? So, so as I kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper into my career, I must say that the confidence built because I began to become a leader. And others saw that in you and put you in those positions. Yes. And it really propelled me because... Again, it became a natural fit, not without a lot of learning, right? A, a lot of mistakes, right? Learning how to really lead is not being the boss. Learning how to really lead is to inspire and influence others to do what you know works. And that's, you know, there was a meme way back when, and it was a little girl stake, shaking a stick at a little boy saying, I got leadership skills. I'm telling you leadership skills, you know? but it's like, it's not like that. It's not, you know, the generation of growing up going do so because I said so. Right. You know, which was, you know, my mother's favorite, you know, why do I have to do that? Because I said so. End of story. But it's just, it's not like that. So the, the big part of the journey for me, you know, I'm not going to say that dentistry just came naturally, but it did. As I said earlier, I, I was a fish in water. Um, the biggest part was learning how to be a good leader, you know, and learning how to put my skills so that I could influence others and inspire others to do what I knew to be a proven way, not the only way, but a way that definitely works because I've had the successes um, to prove that and always, always, always patient first. So true. So true. 
you know, what piece of, uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten in, from home? I don't know where it came from, or, I, or perhaps I do. Perhaps it just came from the universe. And it came during a dark time. Don't we get some great messages during our, our dark times? And it was, trust the journey. It's like, trust the journey, for goodness sakes. You know, and you can list on and on and on the bad things that have happened. And, you know, I'll give a sister of mine credit also, my, my oldest sister. She just retired last year. And she said, I really have to retire because I, she's a dental hygienist, Forsyth grad, way back. Shout out to Forsyth. And what year? She just turned 70. So, okay. So she might've been a little ahead of me. Yeah. But she said, I definitely have to retire because I'm not renewing. You know, no one could, her office can't call and say, gee, can you just come in on Friday? You know, um, but years ago she sent me a book and I didn't read the book and I didn't understand the little piece of jewelry. I kind of put it aside and shame on me because she later called me and she said, did you like the book? And I said, oh, I did. That was so kind of you to send me that. And she said, well, what, it, right? So this is just like true confessions. And she said, well, wasn't the kaleidoscope so cute? And I'm like, oh, is that what that was? That was a kaleidoscope. And she said, well, it's just so symbolic of the story. And I'm like, of course it is. So after I got off the phone with her, I went and I grabbed the book and I read the book and the book was so profound on, if you look at your individual things that happen during life, so many of them are harsh, broken pieces of glass and we've all been through them, right? And they hurt and they're dark times. And sometimes they're, they're wave after wave and they just keep coming. And I, I stop and I look in the mirror now and I say, you know, what would you change? And I can't change anything, not even those real deep hurts. I can't change them because when I spin that glass, don't get me going here, MJ. But when I spin that glass in my kaleidoscope, it's beautiful. You know, that is probably one of the most incredible, inspiring, synergistic explanations. I, that was beautiful. Unbelievable. How amazing of your sister to understand that that's what you needed at that moment in time. And we are a product of all of our experiences, good, bad, the ugly, every one of them, we all have them. We all have obstacles that we overcome, right? Yeah. Oh my God, that is beautiful. Now I have never heard that expression before, you know, broken glass, kaleidoscope, we're all made up of broken, that's beautiful. Really amazing. I think if you had asked me that prior to that book and that story, I, I could have picked a number of things. I, I wish I hadn't lost my mother at 16. I wish, you know, I would have taken out some of those sharp, sharp pieces that hurt and cut. And, and you just can't, you just have to, it, it wouldn't, I mean, before I take the stage, when I do my national speaking, and, and this is just a, a, a true reflection to, to my mother, I know I speak of my father so much because he was the dentist and was with me so long, but I literally, and Every speaker I know, I mean, before you go on, I don't care who you are, how long you've been speaking, you still got a little bit, you know, until you get out there and you flip the switch. And I just always do this self-talk, really talking to my mother of, you know, 
light me up, light, you know, give me that energy. And it's, it's that pep talk. It's that, you know, by the time I get out there, I've got lightning coming out of my fingertips and I can just truly feel that. And, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that, you know, relationship that I can have with her and the memory that I have of her. And so grateful for the relationship with my father, you know, the true oral physician and the man who read Merck's manual in the den as a hobby, right? Got excited when the new PDR came out and I'm like, (laughs) so, you know, and, and those are all, those are all part of what makes me up. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be one thing that people would be surprised to know about you? Gosh, I just gave you everything, didn't I? Um. <laughs> <laughs> but surprise, like, like, what, what do you think would surprise somebody? Well, I gave you my little weather girl thing. Um, some, and, and I do get this question at different times, but before I left Massachusetts, I did own and operate um, Homestead Kennel and I bred Labrador retrievers. In fact, I owned 17 yellow Labrador retrievers. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I had converted um, my father's office into my, my business area. The operatories became whelping rooms where the puppies were held. In fact, my vet used to come to me. I was AKC certified. So I had quite an operation going. And then it was, you know, time to decide because it's anything in animal husbandry it's so it's 24 seven. Right. And it was, it got to the point of, is it dog breeding or dentistry? And that was a tough decision. I'm sure it was. Yeah. But I needed to, you know, I was, I was a young single mom and I said, I need to go with tried and true. I bet that was hard to give up. It was, it was. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think that, that, you know, we just love our pets and anybody that's uh, had a dog, it's just, you know, it's an amazing experience, that bond you have. I, I, I will never forget my dad bringing home a St. Bernard. Six kids and a St. Bernard, can you imagine? We had a great day. Can you imagine having all those kids and a great big dog like that? That's crazy. It is nuts. It is nuts. So... Um, how about obstacles? You know, I shared that, that word with you before. Have there been any major obstacles that you want to share and, you know, overcoming them that you want to share with, with the audience? You can, stick to, you can stick to dentistry if you want, but, you know, obviously we all, you know, we all have personal obstacles here and there, but you can stick to dentistry. You know, when I think about it, it's, I didn't let them get in my way because I truly loved what I do and always have. So it was, you know, is this an obstacle or is this just something to, to learn? Now I look at it now as, okay, that was something to learn when you're in the midst of it. You probably don't realize that, you know, I think now I'm sounding like a mother, right. Or, or a new grandmother um, that, that there are lessons in here. And I can look back on that and say, yes, there are lessons. Um, You know, what do we do with those obstacles? Boy, just don't give up, right? It's, and that's not always easy. 
And, you know, there, there can be, you know, crazy times or down times. One thing I did learn, and dentistry can be extremely stressful, as any of us in it um, can understand. And I learned a very valuable lesson from my daughter because I had gotten home from work and immediately started in with, you know, are the dogs fed and the kitchen's not clean and started just bap, 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 right? And one day she said to me, she's like, my day was okay. How about you, mom? I was like, you know, ooh, I need to, I need to come home differently, right? So I made an agreement with my office manager and every day after work, before we got in our cars, we blew it off. We blew off that steam. You know, what about this? What about that? So that the, the stress of that day didn't come home with us. And I didn't bring the dentistry home. I went home to be mom, right? So I think that was a really valuable lesson. So I guess I'm finding the answer to your question through this story is, you know, the obstacle of dealing with a stressful um, profession is finding an outlet for it. Now, mine was, you know, blowing steam with my office manager, who's, who's still to this day a dear, dear friend of mine. And this was back in the early 2000s. So, um, but finding that, you know, do you want to go for a run? Do you want to go to the gym? Do you need to meditate? Do you need to listen to calm or do a brain tap? Or what is it that you need so that you can find that balance so the stress of a day doesn't interfere with your family? You know, it's very valuable advice, um, something that I struggle with to this day, you know, and that is extremely uh, a well-intentioned piece of information for me personally, because I do at times forget that, you know, I come in sometimes and I've got all this stuff going on and I got all this stuff on my mind and it, I call it my diarrhea of the mouth. Yes. Like, Get it out, right? And and let's just hurry up and dump it on the people that we love. And you're absolutely right. We got to stop. And and one of the things I shared with uh, a guest earlier was that in my office. Now I remembered somebody telling me this, or I read it in a book somewhere. But I would tell my team, look, we all have stuff. When we come into this office, see that bush over there you leave it right there. And if you're still interested in taking that stuff home with you, you go ahead and grab it on the way home. But I guarantee you, if you just leave it there, it might just resolve itself by the time you go home. But I cannot have you bringing it in here. And I remembered that in a podcast recently when I was sharing that story with somebody else and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, you have forgotten to do that recently. And you're going home with diarrhea at the mouth. And now this is the second time it's come up. So obviously, you know, that's a message from me from the universe <laughs> saying, you got to pay attention, girl, because you can't, yeah, you got, you can't go home with all your baggage and dump it on the people that you love the most. And isn't that what we do? And as moms, you know, I, I think that that extra stress of, knowing we've got that other job to go to that we're so passionate about, just as passionate as we are about our dentistry, that, that we forget. 
And, you know, it is okay, but you've got to recognize it when you do it. And like, I, like you said, you got to just pull back and say, okay, what do I need to do to be present for everybody that I love by the time I get home? In fact, you know, I'll share this with, story with you that the office that she was describing used to just sit down if they were having a really tough day and, and spend 20 minutes having a glass of wine before they walked out the door. Because, okay, let's sit down, let's have a calm conversation about what happened today. You have a glass of wine, by the time we leave here, everybody's gonna be feel better because they'll get it off their chest and, and walk out the door. And I guess, you know, we just have to develop those mechanisms in order to trust the process will work for everybody and everybody will be much happier. And there's, you know, and there's so much truth to that. And yes, there were definitely times when it was a, a glass of wine, right? Yeah. Or it could be, I would, I would get home <laughs> and I would swing my arms, right? And I'd say, if I'm hitting you, you're too close right now. <laughs> and it's okay to say, I need five minutes because when you're mom or dad, but when you get home or, or both sometimes, but when you get home and you know the family is on you, you do, you might need five minutes or maybe you sit in the car, you know, and you take five minutes or you take a longer route home or you blow off steam with a friend or you have the glass of wine. But like you said, you find that mechanism or even just the open honesty, you know, with your family going, can I have five minutes? I, I'm going to get dinner going. I want to hear all about your day. I just need five minutes to myself. Yeah. To myself so that I don't come home with diarrhea of the mouth and change the, the home energy to bring that stress of the day home, you know? Or I'd, I'd, I'd complain, I said, you know, there's stuff all over the kitchen counter and this and that, and the kitchen's not picked up. How can I make dinner when the kitchen's not picked up? And she, God bless my daughter, Sarah, she'd say, it was picked up. Your lunchbox is now thrown in the sink. You took all the Tupperware out of the lunchbox and that's all over the counter. You know, your pocketbook's on the kitchen table and this is over there. Everything was fine. If you actually, if you look around, mom, and she wouldn't say this, she wouldn't dare, but it's all your crap. <laughs> oh my God. I love your daughter already. And I've never met her. She's a hot ticket. She is. She is. But I would just be like, okay, so I brought all this negative energy and I brought the mess. Yeah, there you go. So it's all me. So sometimes, you know, when we reflect and it's like, all right, how can I do that differently? I can come home differently. I can come home and be mom. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, we all struggle. We're not all perfect. That's right. That's right. That's right. So tell me, do you have a, a personal motto or, or a mantra that you live by every day? I know I mentioned it earlier. I do live by trust the journey. Ah, okay even through, you know, and it was really helpful for me through the pandemic because I do believe I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And sometimes even in those dark times, listen, talking to a Bostonian, even those dark times, it's coming out in me. It's, I, I have to trust that. I had to trust what I went through, you know, for the last 10 months. It wasn't always the creative juices flowing. If you had told me in February of 2020, I'm going to give you nine months off to build your business. I would have been like, let's go. That's exactly what I need. This wouldn't go there. 
It couldn't go there. And I tried, and, and I've talked to so many mentors, coaches, colleagues, they're like, oh yeah, no, couldn't go there. Some could, and, and I, I admire them, but so many of us couldn't. And allowing ourselves to be there is okay. Yeah, and, and um, it, it was a blessing to a lot of people to have that time. Absolutely, time with their family, Time, time to, you know, recharge. And I mean, this was, this was like mother nature's giving everybody a time out. We worked the entire time, but in, and that was fairly stressful because everything had to be changed. But, you know, the bottom line is, you know, around me everywhere, you know, it was just kind of like this time warp, which was, I think was awesome. I think that so many people have come out of this well on the other side. What I've enjoyed, and I'll share about my journey through this, is that it's allowed me to, I don't want to be cliche-ish and say soul search, but just to really dive a little bit deeper and learn to be my authentic self. I don't want to come back as who the corporate people want me to be or the speaker people want me to be, or the this, or anything that anybody wants me to be. I want to come back as me. And the question was, well, who's she? I'm like, good question. I'm going to think about that for about 10 months. And then I'll let you know. So she's a little bit weather girl, you know, she, she can get on her, you know, can get all serious on you. But I have so much to give and to offer and just want to pay it forward and share and help. And truly, yeah, that that's that's where I want to be at. It's like, gosh, I've just got all this and it, take it from me. Let me share this with you. Let me help you. Absolutely. I, I can't even tell you how, we could probably spend the rest of, of the night talking and go get our glass of wine and go right to right through midnight. I, I, I can guarantee you. But I've got to call it a day. And I just can't tell you how much I've appreciated this time with you. I know this is not going to be the last time we share a conversation because we have some jobs that we've got to do together, you and, and I, my friend. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to the audience being introduced to you a little bit more. And if they want to get more information about what you're doing, like especially a young woman out there that is interested in transitioning to you know, consulting or you know, maybe even public speaking, where can they find you? They can find me at hannacoffeerdh.com. That is in the, in the process of being built. And hannacoffeerdh at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Hannah Coffee, it was awesome spending time with you. Thank you so much. And a pleasure and an honor. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.